New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. As we age and are no longer raising young children or working for an income for 40 to 80 hours a week, we are most likely entering the third stage of life and entering elderhood. With increasing longevity, this is becoming an ever-expanding population. What does it mean to be an elder in the 21st century? Do elders have a place and purpose in society? What does it mean to be proactive in approaching aging? How can the shift from adulthood to elderhood be the most influential years? Today we'll be exploring how to age with grace and wisdom with our guest, Diana Percy. Diana Percy is founder of the internationally acclaimed Organization Development Australia. She's past chair of the Dharma School with experience in psychology, gestalt therapy, business, leadership education, and governance, and has served as corporate advisor working with boards of directors and CEOs, as well as being a business owner herself. She's also a poet and leads pilgrimages to oceans and forests and leads a project she calls The New Elders, which centers on the positive development of elders and changing the negative community mindset. She's the author of the forthcoming book, Becoming an Elder, Practicing the Wisdom Arts, and resides in Melbourne, Australia. Join us for the next hour as we explore becoming an elder with our guest, Diana Percy. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Diana, welcome. Thank you. It is just delightful to be here. I'm so pleased to be here. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure having you here all the way from Australia. We're catching you on your way home, I think. Yes, that that's right. right. So uh, I'd love to to begin and talk about how we can face aging with one or two ways, maybe more than that, but let's talk about two ways. One is with resignation. Another is with possibilities. Yes. So talk about those two ways of facing aging. Okay. Um, Maybe we could start with um, also making a distinction between being an elder, becoming an elder, and 
becoming older, old age, because so often those two get confused or they're used synonymously. And there's confusion because of the word elderly. When you're becoming elderly, a lot of people think of old age. And, um, and that's different to the notion of becoming an elder in my mind and of elderhood. So I, I spent some time thinking about that and came up with some definitions, some words around uh, being old, old age and an elder. And I'll just go through those first. The elderly or being old, the elderly have their life behind them. They may not have a great deal to look forward to. Um, nor have plans for what lies ahead. So their energy is directed more into the past and the present and away from the future. Someone elderly is more withdrawing from life, not prematurely, but at the best pace for them. And ideally being elderly is a beautiful time of life. Elderly withdrawal or Cocooning is a quiet state, a quiet time of life where you're not wanting anything new, not needing anything for growth. It's just a time of appreciating in its best form, just being. And that's because the elderly are in wind down from life. So the calm and peace of old age can be like the grace of walking in the, this sacred grove. We can aim for calm and being the sacred warrior inhabiting the grove of our old age. Something beautiful to aim for in old age. But an elder, in contrast, is still alive and full of energy um, and looks forward to life and continues to grow out of the midst of whatever life has dealt them. Being an elder is really a state of mind. Um, and an elder develops their wisdom. There's an innate knowing that wisdom is not acquisitive. It's a process, an ongoing process, and a reflection of the soul that requires rinsing clean the blood and the stains of life's woundings. So not everybody who is over a certain age becomes an elder. There's something more to it than that. So, I are, are you saying, Diana, that you're you're not making a distinction that one is better than the other? No, not at all. Not at all. I'm saying they're different phases of life, different stages that we pass through. So, so the one that is more reflective and and quiet, maybe one might even use the word passive, that yes. they're not they're not active out in the world. That's not necessarily a bad place to be as compared to another person who is aging, who is continues to be more active in the world and, and moving, moving with energy and growing their, their awareness. Yes. So you're not saying one is better than the no, other. No, I'm not. And I'm also saying that old age is, is a much older age. So in my mind... Um, Elderhood is somewhere that takes us up to, I don't know, 80s or 90s, mid-80s or 90s. Um, and old age is when our health really does start to decline and we have those few years at the end of life that where we do need to be quiet. 
Okay, and so let's then let's talk about elderhood. Then that particular phase, okay, or the possibility of that phase. That you you also say that we can in those years continue to be very influential, and we we don't often think about the elders in our community as being having any sort of influence. They're, they're, they rather disappear in, in many ways. Yes. So what is, what is the influence that you think that elders can have? Well, I think that the purpose of going into any life stage is really to go to another level of consciousness. And, and we only really have three major life stages. Although I know Eric Erickson and Ken Wilbur and Claire Graves and many other esteemed people have established many other um, uh, levels to to the life stage, but I like to keep it simple. And so I, I just look at three. So we have childhood, we have adulthood and we have elderhood. And in between we have extended like years of transition transition period. So like in adulthood, what would our concerns be in adulthood? Yes, our concerns in adulthood are quite different. They're more of the warrior or the carer. So we're interested then in earning a living and we're interested in um, uh, taking our place as caregivers. Uh, and raising children. Raising children. Normally we're raising children or um, at least looking after um, others who perhaps are aging or who like are parents unwell, or, yes. parents or grandparents or whatever. So um, uh, there's a lot of energy that goes into that. We need to be looking at our career or other ways that we're earning a living. Um, and um, there are many, many tasks that fill the day. When we get to elderhood, our motivation and our preferences and so on change and we move into a different kind of phase of life and, and our consciousness will change with that. So if I can just explain some of the fears that we face as an elder that start to change us, that we confront and also some of the frontiers that we come up against. So for a start, we... Um, become more aware of our own mortality as elders normally than we are in any other life stage. So as the people that we're close to and that are near to us start to die. I, I do notice that uh, now as I'm entered into this phase of my life, yes. I, I notice that when I look at obituaries, I look at the age, you mm -hmm. know, if they list the age and what they died of, and I have a, a deeper curiosity because it's such an unknown, mm -hmm. and there is a wondering uh, how it's all going to end. So, and I know that you give advice about using that rather than fearing it, to use it as an impetus to even be more alive to your life. Yes. Um, once that awareness is there, that our life is finite, 
and it is going to end at some point, um, and we come to terms with that in some way, then we can use it as a motivation to really get on with what really matters in life, what is really important, and to sort out what that is, and also to make sure that we're um, bringing that into our life in an active way and not just thinking about it or reflecting on it, but doing it. So when you say bringing what matters, I think you've also described in your book how uh, that changes, like what matters to us, let's say, in adulthood might be quite different than what matters to us as an elder and that's why we should start to really look at that again. Mm-hmm. Don't assume that the same things that mattered to us maybe 20 years ago or 10 years ago are going to be the same that matters to us now. Yes. From what I've seen working with other people and also my own experience, what starts to happen as an elder is that we become more interested in our internal life and what's happening for us internally. And so there's a shift from when we're an adult um, and we're in the warrior mode and we need to be very externally focused on everything. Then as an elder, there's a shift to... We're more interested in meaning. So let's talk about that in just one moment. I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Diana Percy, and she is the author of the forthcoming book, Becoming an Elder, Practicing the Wisdom Arts, and she leads a project called The New Elders. And if you want to know more about her work, you can go to her website, DiPercy.com, Di as short for Diana, D-I-P-E-R-C-Y, DiPercy.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. here with Diana Percy, and she is the author of the forthcoming book, Becoming an Elder, Practicing the Wisdom Arts. And she also leads a project in Melbourne, Australia, called The New Elders. And we were just talking about meaning and how, Diana, how meaning changes in our life. And here we are as if we are entering eldership, it might be different than what it was as an adult. So is there more that you'd like to share with us about that? 
Lawrence Vanderpost, who worked, who did a lot of work with the Kalahari Bushmen, and he said that they talk about meaning in an interesting way. They talk about having two kinds of hunger. One is the physical hunger that that everybody experiences, and the under, other is what they call a grand hung, hunger, and that grand hunger is for meaning. And when you have meaning in your life, you belong. You know who you are and you belong. You then have purpose. And this becomes so much more important as we age, as we start to become an elder. And I think the purpose that we have as adults and as children, we still have purpose there, but it's different. It's a different kind of purpose. Our goals are different. I believe that Sir Lawrence um, really made the analogy that, that purpose and meaning is actually more important than happiness, the pursuit yeah. of happiness. Yes. That it, it actually deepens us and is much more satisfying than that going for that temporary happiness. Yes, absolutely. And if we look at Viktor Frankl and his wonderful work that he did, um, he uh, says well, the same his thing. Book, what, Search for Meaning. Search for Meaning. Yes. And his, his, after his observations of people and his own experience too in the concentration camps, and uh, what he concluded was it was those people who had some meaning in their life, who had some hope, that were able to survive the concentration camps, were able to survive the experience. And those that, that didn't have meaning and gave up hope uh, tended to perish and didn't make it through. And so he was, he was trying to point out how important that was. And he continued that notion through all his psychotherapy afterwards and, and working with people. So, so it behooves us to actually take the time to look at what is meaningful, what has meaning for us. Yes, yes, that's completing the loop. That's, that's the important point. We do need to take the time to reflect and to work it out and to really consider it and also to get rid of, to siphon off um, the things that are no longer important for us that we still hold in our life from an earlier time. Um, for example... Oh, well, it may be uh, even friendships that, um, that we've carried for a long time, but actually don't fulfill us anymore. They don't give us a, re a return. They don't, they don't offer us anything, but they've just been there for a long time. So we might really consider, um, you know, is this worthwhile? Is this what I really need in my life right now? So if, it, if, it, if we look at friendships, like when we're with someone, we, we can notice, I, how does my energy feel? Yes. Is, it, is this, am I feeling bored? Am I feeling frustrated? Am I feeling uh, depressed? Yes. Is it pressing me down? Yeah. Or am I feeling uplifted and, and excited? So. Is that what you're saying, that to look yes. at friendships in a new way? Yes, to notice uh, what your energy is like with people. And just because they've been in your life a long time doesn't mean that they need to continue to be there. If you feel that your energy is getting um, uh, squashed by them or 
is getting damaged in some way, it, it is then possibly time to move on. But you're not suggesting that we're, we, that we're unkind in any no, way. No, so no, it's not, not like, okay, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. It's not like that, that there's always kindness involved in, in these long-term friendships. Yes, I'm very big on kindness, very big on kindness, but we need to be kind to ourselves as well. And we need to, um, at this time of life, we need to look at life a little bit like um, we might look at cooking and um, the reduction process in cooking and getting that beautiful, rich um, gravy that we can get. And we have to be very careful what we, the ingredients we use to get the gravy, that they're the, the, the best ingredients that we can, we can use. And we need to um, just watch, um, watch the whole process and watch how long, you know, we, we, what, we, what we get rid of is very important, what we allow to evaporate um, and what we find is, is, is peripheral. So we're making new choices in our life and, and much of that can't be the reduction of things. We're not going to be possibly uh, wanting to acquire more things, get more acquisitions. That... I think it's the opposite. It's a matter of getting rid of the peripheral and what what is just weighty, just weight that we're carrying around. It's about lightening up and getting back to um, the essentials. Right, right. Let's go back a little bit. We talked, we started to, to really talk about death and dying and, and how... If we look at death and as we approach eldership, it, it's certainly in our forebrain to, to know that, hey, this is going to, we have less time ahead of us than we had behind yes, us, let's say. that's right. <laughs> and if we look at that, uh, if we turn away from that, if we like wanting to avoid even looking at that, yeah. I know that you say that that can be a very weak stance. That that's it's that's not a strong stance. It actually is a weak stance to to look away rather than kind of embracing this reality. Well, we all do what we can, what we find is the best for us at the time. Um, so I, I don't know that I'd call it strong or weak, um, but um, I, I think what happens is we become aware of the cont continuum. We become aware that we don't have much time left. If we're in the third phase of life and there are three phases, you know, we need to get a move on and do what, what needs to be done in life. And so the perspective suddenly is sharpened and there's an awareness of time, there's an awareness of our ancestors that I think comes up, and also awareness of, of life within us and what life is going to be life beyond us in, into the future. And so that's, that's another one of the frontiers that we face in elderhood that we don't really face in other life stages. Another one is becoming full-grown, that elderhood is like our harvest time of life when we, um, we have the fruits of our life available 
to offer to people and also the seeds from the fruits to plant for the future. So when you say fruits, are these like the talents and gifts that we have created and that we've enhanced through our lifetime that they're they're coming and and not to just kind of hide them. I, I think of the biblical verse, you know, don't hide your gifts under the, a bushel. Yes. I don't remember the exact quote, but yeah. but it's like then to give them, as you say, plant these, plant them and water them and put them out. Give those gifts. Yes. Not to be afraid of that. Yes, absolutely. And I tie it in too with the notion of um, Joseph Campbell's um, lovely um, uh, ideas about the hero's journey. And the last phase of that is often not, um, doesn't have very much notice taken of it, but the last phase is return to the community. And that's what it's all about as an elder. Um, We do have to find out what our gift is, our unique gift as a human being, and be able to offer that appropriately. Um, And it's this notion of return to the community, which has a double meaning. And one is to actually go back to the community physically, but the other one is to give something back to the community, to, re- to return what we have taken from the community in our time, to return something back to the community. So what do we do if, if a- as an elder or an elderly person, we're invisible in in culture where we're we're given short shrift in 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 this youth idealized uh culture how do we give that gift then if it's if we're not even noticed when we're i know exactly what you mean <laughs> i'm sure that um that many people who even in their 50s and over have experienced that Part of the work that I'm doing is to help people feel that they can step up and be proud of being an elder, be proud of their age, be proud of having some wrinkles on their face um, and accept accept being an elder with the dignity and the grace that the life stage bestows on them. Now I can think of certain cultures, let's say in Indigenous cultures, Uh, throughout the world are more cognizant of the value of the elders. Yes. And I know in China, it, they revere the elders and, look uh, and look after them, yes. uh, at least up until now, that's been the case. I don't know if it's yeah. shifting or not in yeah. China, but but now in Western cultures, mm. it, it hasn't I know. been so prevalent. I know. So, so here's the thing. I think if we can help individuals feel much better, much better about being an elder, if we can help um, establish communities of elders to support that process, if we can cultivate intergenerational exchanges where there's mutual mentoring going on, and if we can help elders to make their contribution, their return to the community, and not feel that they're invisible and not feel that therefore they have to hide away and not do anything, but they can come forward, then I think we can make progress with this. I can think of a a project, and we've talked about this on New Dimensions, um, 
with uh, Matthew Fox working with young people, uh, and it's uh, a warriorship project. I, I can't recall the name of it right now, but uh, I'll get that in just one moment. And we, you know, where he is really helping to bridge that generational from the elders to the young people. And with the adulthoods, they're very, very busy. (laughs) But there are young people that are looking for the wisdom of the elders and the elders that are looking for the energy of the young people. We'll talk more about that in just one moment. I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Diana Percy, and she is author of the forthcoming book, Becoming an Elder, Practicing the Wisdom Arts. And she leads a project in Melbourne, Australia, called uh, The New Elders. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Diana Percy. She's from Melbourne, Australia, and she is leading a project she calls the New Elders. And Diana, uh, we were talking about making a contribution and how we can make a contribution. And I mentioned uh, the work of Matthew Fox and his co-authors of the book. Uh, His book is called Order of the Sacred Earth, an intergenerational vision of love in action. And that's a whole project that they're doing. And maybe there, I know that there are other projects that are coming up that where people can tap into a way as an elder to contribute. And so we're not alone in that. We don't have to forge a path all by ourselves, I think, that we can tap into different organizations and different ways of contributing. Do you see that? Oh, there are so many things around. There are so many ways that we can contribute. I mean, it's very exciting at the moment and also with the internet. I mean, it's so uh, rich. There are so many ways we can find out about things as well. And there's lots going on. If you look, there's so much going on really in your own neighborhood or that you can access through the internet. Um, And it can be surprisingly rewarding to do that, uh, even on the internet. Exactly. And I I know that we've interviewed and sat down with different people who have said when they've worked with someone who is very self-centered in what they're doing and they're working with their depression and anxiety and they find that when they start volunteering Mm and getting outside of themselves mm. and helping mm. others, that mm. it's also changing their own, mm. even physiology in some ways. Yeah. They're getting endorphins, they're getting flooded with good hormones that make that improve their life, even yeah. their physical life. Yeah, yeah. So that is a, a, a fabulous thing to do for everybody, um, just to be getting out, to be giving is so enriching and so rewarding. And it starts to help you recognize and 
hone in on what your gifts are. That's the key too, to know mm. what you have to give, to, yeah. to know that you are of value, that your life experience, all that you've gone through, mm. all the cycles, mm. all the wounding and all the healings, mm. and mm. you have a lot of gifts. Uh, absolutely. We've been, we have lived a lot of life. By the time you get to 60, 70, 80 years old, there's a lot of life that's been lived. There's a lot of experiences that have been through, uh, a lot of loss, a lot of grieving, a lot of healing, as you say. Everything has been um, experienced. So you know human beings pretty well and you can start to know yourself pretty well as well. And um, so that's valuable. Yeah. That's a valuable contribution. Yeah. yeah, so the contribution doesn't have to be grandiose or on the world stage. It can be helping the neighbours. And in fact, um, the, there's been some lovely stories of uh, people that I know that have, um, for instance, a, a farmer who retired who... Um, didn't know what to do with himself for a long time because farmers work seven days a week, all year, all day, and suddenly they sold their farm and he had nothing really very much to do with himself. And he, he was at a loss. But being on a farm, you learn how to be... Um, uh, how to mend machines, how to mend fences, how to be a sparky, um, an electrician. You can do so many things. So what he did, though, was um, a neighbour, a young couple, needed some help really badly down the road. And so he went and helped them. And he helped them build a shed that they really needed. And then somebody else needed a hand. And so he went over there and helped them with that. And then he helped someone else fix an old tractor that they had. And then he helped somebody else, you know, do something else. And he has had, this is, this actually turned into his new career. <laughs> so he is going around helping all his neighbours. He has never been happier. Um, he works his own hours. So there are lots and lots of stories about volunteering. You can volunteer in many different ways and not only with an organisation. Right. Right. But there are many different ways. It's about discovering your gift, doing what you love um, with the people that you like in the way that you want to do it, working in the way that you want to do it. And it might just be looking after the children. Right. Know. It can be and anything. that's a big contribution. And it might be, um, you know, feeling that there's a new idea that you want to give a lecture on and going out and doing that. Could be many, many different things. So I'm, I'm thinking about the idea. There's, um, there's an idea of being alone and being and loneliness that mm. you distinguish between the two of those. Yeah. Can you say something about that? Yes. Being alone can be very um, rewarding. It can be um, a rejuvenating sort of state to be So we in. don't have to always be out there actively interacting with other people, but there's a time for quiet quietude. For ref yes, and for reflection and for many people that's necessary. Um, it's an important part of their life for contemplation and for um, 
Yeah, the quiet time for meditation, contemplation, for sorting through things. And then loneliness is something else because there's a longing in loneliness. There's a pining. Um, there's a grieving. There's a dissatisfaction in loneliness. There can even be a fear in loneliness. Um, I saw something recently that David White said, uh, which was loneliness is is interesting because it it points the way to what we need in our life. Okay, it shows good. us what we need. So it's a symptom, like it's you can use it as a symptom, like oh, I'm feeling lonely. So now, what is what? What, what do I this, need to? What do I need to do about this? What is this, this telling me? Yes. Mm. So then that means really we need to be in high noticing about about what we're feeling and and not just sort of accept them and and say oh well I'm feeling lonely and just go spiral into depression. Oh, I think that's right. I and and I I think that's important, really important for looking after ourselves to notice how what we're feeling. Um, and to be able to take responsibility for that, to to be able to respond to what we're feeling and do something with that, um, because there's nobody to really to look after us anymore. When we get to this age, we've got to do it for ourselves, and it's not that hard. Really, isn't that hard? Um, it's a matter of really understanding that we can do this. So that's a difference as a as a child between being a child and being an elder. Mm. That the difference as a child, mm. like if a child says, "Oh, I'm bored," and then there's possibly a parent or or caregiver who's saying, "Oh, giving suggestions and yes. helping that yes. child with yes. with what they're feeling." Yes. Uh, whereas you're saying here we are as an uh, elder. There's not another. Yeah. We have to parent ourselves. We do. There's um, um, Carl Jung talked about um, uh, two archetypes that we're really quite interested in. We're very interested in when we um, get to around fifty, fifty-five. One is um, the eternal youth. Right, and you've already mentioned how we're we're living in a youth culture. We worship youth. And the other one is the wise elder. And that is the, you know, the esteemed wise elder that um, that we all know about. And these are contrasting archetypes and they're found in all cultures of the world. And at, during all times, um, they go back through the ages as well. So the eternal use is playful, experimental, lots of fresh energy. It's free-flowing and creative, idealistic and inspired. And the wise elder seems like it's the opposite. Very sound, um, stable, disciplined, influential, dignified and honourable kind of person. And... We, we sort of have this notion that as we age, we need to be more like the wise elder. But in fact, we need to balance the two. 
We need to have both. So we don't give up that childlike no, uh, enthusiasm. Can be, we can be 90 years old and still have the eternal youth within us because we need both. We need, we need the eternal youth in order to have ideas and creativity and fun and um, be able to... Um, enjoy life, and we need the the wise elder to be able to implement those ideas and to be able to put some structure into it and to be able to be discerning about what we do. So we need the balance of both. So it's not like they're opposites. It's like yin and yang. It's like they're polarities. And the thing about polarities is there are two sides of a coin. Yes, Polarities are on the same continuum. Uh The two sides of a coin are part of the same thing. Yes. Maybe some of us know people uh, who are modeling this. I know I have a a dear friend who just celebrated her 90th birthday. And honestly, she has so much energy, and yet she is so wise when she speaks up. And she speaks her mind. She has no qualm about just speaking her mind. But when she does, we all kind of listen because it has some wisdom. But what she carries with her always is a sense of humor. Yeah. You know, we just are, are always laughing when we're with her. It's this exuberant, childlike energy of of humor and playfulness that she also carries with her. And I think it's just, I'm just so grateful to have someone in my life who exemplifies and models what you're talking about, holding both of those at the same time. Yes. Yes. So if we can aim for that, if we can do that, you know, then I think that health follows and um, a love of life follows from that and um, longevity follows from that, you know, and of course, we yes, exactly, and and we want to have a quality of life in longevity. It's, oh, yeah. it's not just living long, but living long and living well. I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Diana Percy, and she is uh, leads a project called the New Elders, which centers on the positive development of elders and even changing the negative community mindset about eldership. And uh, she, uh, if you want to go to her website, go to dipercy.com, Di standing short for Diana, D-I-P-E-R-C-Y.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions.
I'm here with Diana Percy, and she is the author of the forthcoming book, Becoming an Elder, Practicing the Wisdom Arts. And we're talking about shifting from adulthood to actual elderhood, which is something different than just growing older. Diana, you speak about the never-ending pursuit of our inner work. It's a process rather than an arrival at a final destination. Can you speak about that, please? Sure. Um, We've just been talking a little bit about um, the two archetypes, one being um, the eternal use and the other being uh, the wise elder. So what often goes along with the notion of uh, wanting eternal use is the, um, the fountain of use. And the fountain of use is the idea really that some magical external power or event that is the fountain of use uh, can transform us. But really the fountain of use, the way I see it, is an inner resource It doesn't exist in the external world, but it's an inner resource and it's one that we all can develop and cultivate. And the way to do that is through our inner work, through our soul work. Um, And that does require being alone. It requires reflection and time by ourselves to contemplate, time out to do that distilling work and looking at what is most important and looking at what, you know, is going to give us meaning in our life. Would you suggest some journaling with this? Yes. Journaling is perfect. Uh, Journaling is perfect for this. So, So this is journaling that is an inquiry, that is investigative, really looking into things that arise for you that carry some weight, like it might be looking at your dreams or it might be looking at an incident that happened or it might be looking at your friendship with someone or it might be looking at why you said something out of the blue to someone that you you regret a bit. Um, so journaling is an investigation and an exploration. Um, it's not like diarising something. Right. So it's that kind of journaling I'm talking right. about, right? Uh, really investigating something and going down into the roots and looking at associations um, right. and investigating yourself. You also lead retreats in the, in the forest and the oceans, and would that be helpful mm. to, to do some sort of maybe guided retreats? Guided retreats um, are perfect, meditation, um, guided visualizations, um, all of those things are really helpful for inner work. What are your retreats like? Um, The retreats that I run are um, little pilgrimages. And what I do is I normally have a theme that is connected to the place itself as well as a theme that connects to inner work. So, for instance, uh, if we go to a forest, the theme might be seeing beauty. 
and we might go to a rainforest, which is a very beautiful place. There are lots of um, ferns and greenery and uh, lovely bird life. And the pilgrimage is done in silence, so it really is an opportunity to be alone within a group and not have to worry about social contact and so on, although you're with other people, to be able to focus on yourself within the surroundings of the forest. So if the theme is seeing beauty, you, you see beauty in the forest around you, but also you can start to notice beauty within yourself and beauty in those around you. And going to the ocean, likewise, is a different kind of theme. So this is um, bringing a, a very rich nourishment to yourself. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not just nourishing with food alone that we need other kinds of nourishment. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. We need to, to nourish our soul. Um, and, and that would help us grow, continue to grow. Yes, continue to on our, our path to develop our consciousness and grow um, and be able to um, develop our gift to give back to others and to the community. I, I know that you have spoken at the uh, Science and Non-Duality conferences. I think you're just returning from one that was in Italy, and and you may be participating in an upcoming one, uh, maybe in 2020 in Santa Barbara. And so, uh, what what is your contribution there? Why 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 is that attracting you as as something that you'd like to contribute to? I like the notion of um, of integration. I like the notion that uh, everything is connected, uh, and um, and even though it's an invisible sort of connection, that we are all in this soup together, so to speak. Yeah, um, a human human beings are. Um, connected uh, invisibly through our consciousness right throughout the entire globe. It's quite, an, quite amazing when you think about it. And it doesn't stop there because we're obviously connected to everything on the planet. Some people have described that as like the metaphor, uh, we're all part of this ocean. We may be a wave in the ocean, but we're never really separate from the ocean. Hmm. Um, I, I think about it as um, finding, uh, being able to find the underground river of humanity and that finds its way to the, the great ocean. So knowing that we're not alone, we really are never we're not alone. alone. There's, there's a metaphor I use, a visual I, I use in an overhead, which is of a beautiful image of a mushroom. Well, it's actually toad school, the brightly coloured one with the red spots on it um, and a beautiful lush green background. And the thing about the mushroom is, any fungi, is that it is the largest known uh, plant on the planet and its root system under the earth spans over two miles in diameter. It's enormous. 
but um, invisible to the eye. And it's invisible to the eye. That's right. And and the analogy is that human beings have an even bigger invisible connection with each other and with the whole planet through our consciousness. So how how knowing this connection, starting to realize this, how is it helpful to us in our expression of bringing our gifts into the world as an elder? I've, I've had a, a motto um, since the 1990s, <laughs> which um, has been personal mastery, collective wisdom. And the notion behind it, because I was, I was, at that stage I was asking myself, you know, is all this inner work, is it really narcissistic or is there something more to this? And I came up with the idea, no, I think it's important. I don't think it's narcissistic. I think it's more important than that. And the inner work or the personal mastery side of it is a, 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 a step. It's one of the building blocks um, in, in collective wisdom for each of us. The more developed our own consciousness the more that we can contribute to the collective, to collective wisdom, to the collective, to the community, full stop. So what you're saying is that for us to develop personal mastery, to become uh, more adept and, and more aware, uh, we're actually helping the planet. Yes. We're actually, it's actually making a difference on the planet, besides our outward gift that we're giving, that where we contribute and volunteering and all of that, just working on ourselves also is contributing. Yes. So you would encourage us to develop that personal mastery. Yes, yes, to develop our own consciousness. I I think that that's part of our role as elders. Well, I, this has just been a marvelous conversation, and there's a wonderful quote that you use that you might share with us. Please share this wonderful quote with us. This is um, a quote from my book. Yes. And, um, okay, it is, uh, When we have lived enough life, experienced enough love, and enough wounding, and repeated the pattern of loss and renewal enough times. We become skilled at healing, at learning. Always this starts with yourself first, through a deeply focused inner cycle of reflection and application. This cyclic practice builds the wisdom arts. It builds the elder. Diana, I want to thank you so much for being with us today on New Dimensions. Thank you, Justine. It has been such a pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank I've you. enjoyed it as well. I've been speaking with Diana Percy, and if you want to know more about her work, you can go to her website, dpercy.com. D is short for Diana, D-I-P. 
Percy, P-E-R-C-Y dot com, dpercy.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions. This is program number 3686. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You, too, can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. This program was recorded at Strawberry Hill Productions, a full-service podcast production studio in Novato, California. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions, as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions, whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org. Or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions.